0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, This second Sunday of Lent uh, is a very odd one. It's a very strange thing because uh, while we began Lent meditating on the temptations of Christ and how Christ exactly uh, matches and overcomes the temptations which Adam and Eve could not and did not, did not is more accurate to say, we even at the beginning of the season all of a sudden... Have this gospel of the transfiguration and go from contemplating Christ in temptation and contemplating the fast in the desert and our own fasting and our own, uh, our own sinfulness and our own need for f- mercy, forgiveness, grace, and the need to struggle against all sin to this moment of glory, to this moment where Christ is shown in glory before his apostles. And we may well wonder why? What is going on here that we are to understand? Here at the beginning of the season of Lent, we're looking on Christ already glorified. Well, it's good for us to remember why Christ even showed himself in glory to begin with. Because Christ throughout the Gospels seems to make a great deal out of not showing off uh, his power to anyone without purpose. That he never simply overwhelms with the fact of his divinity. We see this in even something like the gospel on the temptations of the Lord, where he continually refuses to assert his divine prerogatives, to take for himself the things that already belong to him, as a way of showing us his continual solidarity with us and instructing us how we are to use our human nature. But here he takes Peter, James, and John up a high mountain and is transfigured before them and makes clear who he is. Not only is he transfigured, not only is uh, he shown to be uh, blinding in his glory, but he's also attended upon by Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah representing the law and the prophets, the entire Old Covenant. they attendant upon him, subordinate to him, asking him what he is going to do uh, in Jerusalem, as another uh, another account of the Transfiguration will tell us, that was the subject of their conversation. Moses and Elijah speaking to Christ about the passion he was to undergo. So why does he do this? Well, we're told this that Christ shows himself in glory there on Mount Tabor in order to strengthen the apostles for Good Friday. He shows himself on Mount Tabor to strengthen the apostles for what they will see on Good Friday. That the Lord knows where everything is headed. This happens just as he's beginning to make his way south towards Jerusalem for the final time. When St. Luke's Gospel tells us he sets his face like flint for Jerusalem and decides this is the moment, or knows rather this is the moment. Before this begins, and he knows that the apostles are going to be terrified, terrified beyond the limits of their fidelity in fact that they will be so frightened by what happens and so tried by what happens that they are going to run at least for the duration of the passion and so the fathers of the church tell us that's why christ in this moment shows at least peter james and john who later will be called the pillars of the church by saint paul He shows Peter, James, and John who he really is. He reminds them through an experience of incredible consolation that he is the Lord of all things, the one to whom Moses and Elijah defer, the one before whom the entire world bows, the one who is the beloved Son of the Father, to whom we must listen. Pope Leo uh, the great Pope St Leo the great preaching in the 400s on this day says he does this to remove the scandal of the cross from the hearts of the apostles so that even though they were frightened in the moment they might come back again and remember even though this one whom to remember that this one whom I saw die abandoned on the cross whom I saw take on the most human of all possible things which is mortality and suffering is still the one whom I saw in glory the beloved son of the father to whom all things bow. Why is that important for us? It's important because it helps us to understand where the Lord is, and how the Lord speaks to us during times of penance, or during times of desolation, or during times of difficulty. We've begun Lent. Hopefully we've begun it well. And by this second week, our uh, devotion, our practices might begin to lose a little bit of their fervor. They might. We might begin to look, if we've taken on big penances, we begin to look at Lent and say, when is this going to end? Although I would always say when taking on big penances, do also consider charity. In seminary, we were forbidden to give up coffee. We were told by the professors, you may not do this. For the sake of the house and for the sake of charity, you must not give up caffeine. So keep that in mind as you take on large penances. But if you have taken on a large penance, which is a laudable thing, if anybody has given up, like, uh, for example, electronic entertainment, looking at their phone, what a wonderful thing. That is a great penance. If you still are seeking around for penances, that might be a good one. But if we have these long penances, these hard penances ahead of us, we begin to wonder, how long will it be? Can I withstand this? Can I actually pull this off? Can I do it? And we expand that not only from Lent, but into a whole life. When we look at the world around us and we see how it's arrayed against the Catholic faith, when we look at difficulties within our own church, when we look at difficulties... Uh, within the families of our friends and perhaps in our own family, sometimes, sometimes we may have those moments, and I'm sure we've all had them before where we wonder, can I actually do this? I'm not sure. How long will this be, this moment of trial? How much further will it go? How deep can it become? And we can be tempted to lose heart. When being tempted and tried and tested, when undergoing penance and desolation, we can be tempted to lose heart. And there are a couple of ways we can make it through that moment. One is through hardening our hearts in a certain Jansenistic sort of way where we say, well, this is just what it means to do penance, is just to suffer as much as possible and just clench our fists and grind our teeth and make it happen because isn't that what a Christian does? And we may make it, we may succeed in keeping our penances. We may succeed in making it through a time of trial, but in a distorted and deformed sort of way. This is not what the Lord has in mind. What does the Lord do for those who are about to go through great difficulty or who are in the midst of great difficulty? He provides consolations. He does. For the apostles who are about to go through the pain of this last journey to Jerusalem and the pain of the passion and the fear that comes with it and the desolation of their own consciences when they realize what it is they've done in abandoning their Lord, he provides beforehand this great moment of joy and glory and peace so that they can remember it, hold on to it, and be nourished thereby. And if we look closer, he provides how many consolations even in the close run-up to the Passion? Throughout the Last Supper, what does he do? But he reminds them again and again, you are the ones who have stood by me in my time of trial. To you, I wish to show the house of my Father. You belonged to my Father and you were given to me, he says in John 17. He goes on and on about all that he wants to bestow upon them, all he wants to show them by means of his love. He tells them, I have told you all these things so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. He strengthens them even in the middle of that trial. He offers them the true consolation of his constant presence with them, his constant love for them, and the consolation of knowing who he is, that he is the invincible and unconquerable God. And so at the beginning of Lent, when we might need a little bit of a consolation and a little bit of of a stimulus to fervor, we have this gospel of the transfiguration where the Lord tells us, I who am with you through these trials am the one who has conquered all things. and If you hold fast, not simply out of a desire to accomplish for the sake of accomplishing, not out of a mere sense of duty, right? Because Catholics are never Kantian. We don't like Immanuel Kant at all. (laughs) We'll talk about that later. But we do this, and if you hold fast to your penances, what awaits is the glory of the kingdom of heaven. Because that's the other part of the transfiguration, is that what we see in the glory of Jesus Christ, transfigured above his apostles' flanked by Moses and Elijah, is our destiny as well as Christians. Pope Leo the Great will also remind us of this in his homily for today. If you can poach the saints for homilies, I suggest you do it. But Pope Leo the Great in his homily for this day says when you look at Christ who is transfigured, see your own nature because that, O Christian, is where you are going. Because where the head has gone, the body will follow. So you see Christ in glory, if you remain faithful, you will follow him into glory. You see Christ radiant as the sun, blinding to look at. You also, O Christian, will share in this if you remain faithful. You see Christ who is risen above all that humanity has, who shines not with human light but with divine light because he is one with the Father. You, Christian, are an adopted child of the Father and so also an heir to that same kingdom. And if you remain faithful, you will inherit it. It will be yours. And not just at the end of time and in eternity, though that is the only place it definitively happens, it happens also in moments of glory, even in this life. We do also experience, even here, the beginnings of the peace of the kingdom. So do not lose heart. Look at Christ transfigured and know that that is where you are headed and the place to which He calls you. And He will not leave anyone in trial longer than they can bear. And He will always cut trial short for the sake of His elect. He Himself has said it. So take courage. Renew your fervor for this holy season. Firm up the penances you've begun. Pick a penance if you haven't picked a penance. And let's charge ahead without any fear. With only hope and great courage. Which comes from the love the Lord has had for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.